The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today is Barbara Altman, speaker, teacher, and an author of two books, uh, Hope Springs Shines Eternal and Passages of Hope. Uh, she encourages audiences with real-life stories from her books and her own journey to show how anyone can experience fulfillment no matter what they've been through. She speaks on topics of success, hope, positive mental health, and fulfillment. But Barbara was not always so positive herself. It was through the help of ADCs, after-death communications, that she was not only healed, but is now healing others. Barbara, welcome to NDE Radio. Hello. I'm Hello. very happy to be doing this. Well, I'm yes, happy to have you here doing it. And the healing power of, of uh, ADC. Yes. Well, listen, Barbara, why don't we start with your story? I know you had a, a pretty tough childhood, and, and then yeah. how 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 uh, ADCs changed your life. All right. Uh, my father was an alcoholic. I, my first memory of his... Um, my first active memory of his drinking came when I was 10 years old. I had been at a family gathering, and I was so happy that night. It was just uh, my aunt, my favorite aunt, and my uncle were there, and the grandparents were there, and parents were there. I didn't realize that my father had been drinking the whole time uh, until I came home. But we lived next door to each other in Webster Groves, Missouri, and um, I remember skipping home. I was just so delighted with the, the going on. The men used to get together to play pinochle every week on Wednesday night. <laughs> and the women would, would get together and socialize and gab. And I was with my favorite aunt who had me catching fireflies and just, just had all kinds of fun things. And then I walked into my kitchen and my world collapsed. Uh because that was the first time I saw my father drunk. He had been um, on a night job for the past year, so he, during that whole year, he was not drinking. And I remember looking at my mother and saying, what's wrong with him? And I, I screamed, and I said, get him to the doctor. Call a doctor right now. And she, um, she didn't want me to see what was going on, so she pushed me behind her, and I felt very devastated. By that, later on, I realized she was protecting me from seeing him. But it took me years in therapy to, to, uh, to, to come to that realization and to forgive her for that initial um, uh, lack of picking me off and hugging me and telling me that everything would be okay. Mm. It, it, I felt cold and, and unsupported. And then in the years to come, and I'm sure, I'm sure this happened before, that Incident also in the years to come, I became acquainted with my uh, sexually abusive father mm. until about the age of 13. After that, um, when I was about 14, I 
started with my own addiction, which was to sugar. And that's in the first book, Hope Shines, Hope Shines Eternal, my journey, uh, my journey through mental illness. Um, and that addiction brought me to a psychotic state. And uh, I was called into the principal's office when I was 15 and told there, unless 16, 15, uh, unless I sought psychiatric help, immediately I would likely be hospitalized, institutionalized for the rest of my life. So I didn't realize it then, but now, in retrospect, I can see it because music has always been my passion. And when people ask me, I've spoken it uh, uh, as part of Respect Speakers, um, uh, for St. Louis Psychiatric Hospital. I did that for about two years. And they asked me uh, why I had a spontaneous remission from the um, mental illness. And then I said two words. I said, my faith and my music. And now I'm adding three. My faith, my music, and, and the help that I've gotten from beyond um, have all been remarkably, remarkably helpful. So that's, that, you know, that's my... That's my story. Now, instead of being hospitalized, I've been going into the hospitals to talk about my experience and to share hope with people who have gone through the same thing. Almost inevitably, people who have had psychotic experiences um, have had traumatic childhoods. That's well, tell, tell us, uh, Barbara, about your first uh, um, after-death communication, how that came about and, and how you felt about it at the time. Oh. Okay, when uh, the first uh, the first incident happened when I was um, in 1980 when one of my aunts died, and it was an electronic communication. Uh, I went home to my apartment and I went through that the electronic uh, uh, machine. You know, we used to have those things that uh, turn around and <laughs> and all the recordings were on tape. And yes. I heard her say goodbye, Barbara. I love you. Hmm. That was the first one. And had she already died at that point? She was actually in a coma at that point. Oh, so she she was alive, but she she couldn't have done this um, uh, by actually calling you up. Right. Okay. And um, and you knew that that was uh, her her condition at that time. Yes. Mm. So how did you feel? What you must have been shocked. I I felt comforted. I was somewhat. Um, Frightened <laughs> because and I played that tape over and over and over and over, and that was her voice. And that was she. She again. She and I had a fractured relationship, and I felt like it was she was trying to uh, um, she was trying to establish something uh, from the other side. Did you have a um, a belief in God or a, a yes. religion at that point in your life? Yes. Yes, I was I was raised Catholic. And was she Catholic too? Yes. So it uh, so it did it did it seem natural to you then in a way? Yes. After uh, it took me about um, I guess it took me about a half an hour to uh, to absorb it, and it, it it did seem natural. And at that point, I remember saying to um, oh, actually no, this was later when other people had passed, I remember saying to them, uh, you can come to me to comfort me, to mm-hmm. uh, to console me, to warn me, and to protect me. Because I think it's important to put those parameters around that so that only positive entities come through. 
So how um, how did uh, your after death communications continue after that first one? Um. Okay, that was the first one. After then my mother passed in 1995, and uh, about two years later, I was I got into questioning whether she had actually protected me from my father. I never knew the answer to that. And I was thinking about that one evening, and I was thinking, you know, if I ever found out in one way or another that she did not protect me, I will not I will not only have lost the love for my father, because I really did not love him at that point, I would have lost the love for her. Yes. And that really, that shook me up, because I really loved her. And that night before I was going to bed, um, I, felt, uh, I felt the touch of a hand on my shoulder, and I knew it was her, because she was very small. She had a very small hand. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the imprint of five fingers, and I was very comforted. I knew then that she had probably uh, protected me. Yes. Well, I know these things can be very comforting, and, and um, you almost know intuitively, even if it hadn't felt like a small hand, you know that who it is and why yeah. they're there. I've had similar experiences myself. And I think, you know, a lot of people have had after-death communications and they have just, um, you know, written them off as a a coincidence or an odd thing that they can't explain when they Uh should be taking, they should be taking a a positive reaction out of it as as you did. So tell us about some other communications you've had. Okay, I've had communications and dreams, and I've written down the five ways that they can communicate and how people can invite loved ones to communicate. They, they can communicate uh, tactile, uh, as in the hand on the shoulder. They yes. can communicate uh, olfactory. I had an aunt who I used to smell her perfume after, shortly after she died. They can, they can be auditory. I've had two pronounced auditory experiences. One of which my father probably saved my life. Really? Oh, tell us about that one. That's interesting. Oh, okay. This is the one that that really, um, really uh, started me on the path to forgiveness. <laughs> There's a little bit of humor to it. <laughs> it was about three weeks after Thanksgiving, uh, sometime in the nineties, and I was about eleven thirty at night, and I was. Um, um, thinking about making a snack out of the leftover turkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I took the turkey out, and I heard a very loud, because my father, you know, my many alcoholics speak um, uh, with a caustic tone. He screamed, no, don't. Mm. This was about 20 years after he passed. Uh no, I didn't. <laughs> 20, Twenty years after, and he and you still felt his presence is watching over you, even late yeah. night in the kitchen. Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> that's amazing. How do you think that works? Do you think there's a a time factor on the other side, or are they just present when they need to be? I mean, is, do you feel like he's know. continually with you, I, or I just wonder. just? Uh, I, I, actually, I think they're present when they need to be. Yeah. I, so they I must they think. must know in advance, or maybe being that it's timeless, it's not you can't even talk about in advance. But somehow or other, there's a there's something that's that alerts them and to alert you. Yes, and I 
I wonder what that is. Hmm. Because I can't imagine that he stayed around my house for 20 years. Uh, he must so have, I, ta- I, I take it know. the turkey was not good, that uh, you would have gotten uh, food poisoning from it. Yes. Mm. It's, that's a given. Well, because it was not in good shape. Now, what is it? What other auditory uh, experiences did you have? <laughs> uh, I had an aunt who lived to be 104 years old, um, and uh, I used to call her my second mother because she and her husband really stepped in the gap for me um, when mm. growing up in difficult circumstances. And I really, really loved this aunt. I was her medical care of um, power of attorney for seven years, and that was a difficult job. I had please everybody, I thought, and I had a cousin who was just nasty to me. Mm. Um, oh, throughout that whole seven years, I'm not, I won't go into that story, it would take too long. But uh, about a month after my aunt died, I got a phone call from my cousin, and um, I had gotten downstairs, I have, I have from a music studio, I have um, I have a lot of music downstairs, so I was looking for music. This was a shared experience, by the way. I was looking oh, okay. For um, one of my students who is partially deaf, which makes this even more interesting. Uh-huh. And I was walking up the steps and thinking, I really do not want to talk to her. I don't want to. And all of a sudden, I heard the loudest noise in this house with the exception of my father screaming at me I have ever heard. It it sounded like a whole band in my kitchen clanging and banging. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I was really calm because at this point I was a little bit used to this. Um, and I, I said, okay, Aunt Girlie, I got the message. And she was still clanging and banging. I got the message, I will call her, and I will offer an olive branch, which my cousin did not receive, at least not then. Now we are talking. And as soon as I said that, I said it out loud, the noise stopped. Hmm. But I, and I walked continue- into my music studio, and my partially deaf student looked at me and said, what was that noise? Ah. So she so didn't hear it. That's what we call veridical evidence, that it's not just you're imagining it because she heard it as well. You said you had two. Were those the only two that uh, you can recall? Yes. yes. Okay. They're the most amazing, I think, because, uh, you know, you just don't. Now, let me ask you this. Did you hear it through your ears or did you hear it in your mind and your student hear it in My her ear. mind as well? My through ear. your ears. Yeah. Okay. So Both this times. was a this was a physical thing, almost like a. A ghost or something. Yes. Throwing, banging pots together or throwing something a, across the yes. room. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, tell us about the other forms of, um, after death, uh, communication. Um, should I tell you my experience with it? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, about two, oh, wait a minute. About three weeks after my mother passed, I had a dream. I dreamt about her and she was, uh, she was, 
I saw it. It was very vivid. I saw what she was wearing. She was wearing her favorite color, blue, and she spoke to me. And I understand that when you actually hear them speak in a dream, they are actually visiting. Hmm. So she said, um, I went to see your brother. My brother lived in Houston, Texas. Um, and I stayed there for three days. And then I went to see your nephew, John. <laughs> And uh, I didn't like it there. <laughs> so I decided to come back and be with you. Hmm. And I guess it was the following Christmas that um, my brother came up and um, for Christmas, and we were sitting, sitting in, a, in a living room where I'm sitting right now. And he said that, and this, was, this happened to be on Easter Sunday, I think. Yeah, yes, it was. And he said, Mom uh, said I, I was getting ready to go to church. I had my Bible in hand. I had just done some prayer. And uh, my brother was, was a preacher, a part-time preacher. And he said, um, all of a sudden I heard someone say, Hi, Jack. And she was sitting at the kitchen table. He saw her. Hmm. Hmm. And truthfully, I was a little bit jealous. You know what? to him and he didn't come to me. But then, of course, two and a half years later, she came to me with a tactile expression. Mm. Um, and when I said, you know, that correlates with the time that I had the dream that she came to see you. Right in that time frame. Uh, I take it, you mentioned a, a preacher or pastor. Um, I take it you're no longer a Catholic? Correct. Did you uh, did you ever talk to uh, a priest or your pastor about your near death communications? No. Or after after death communications, I should say. No. Uh, I was I was wondering what they what do you think they would what do you think your current pastor would have to say about something like that? They would be very supportive. They would. Oh, mm-hmm. why 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 not bring it up to them then and and see see what their reaction is? They might have had an experience like that themselves. I've actually done a presentation. Uh, I belong to a religious mind to mind church, and uh, uh-huh. I've done a presentation on that. And so, and that, so yes, they are. They are very. They are very supportive. I'm always uh, pushing churches uh, to uh, to take a closer look at near death experience and other areas of of communication with between here and the other side because. It just invigorates a congregation when they hear these stories. Yeah. You know, they are amazed and their faith is reaffirmed at the same instant. So I don't see any yes. reason why churches should avoid it, but uh, oftentimes they do. I think that they do because um, it's very important to have some parameters around it. You want to state that you don't, you only want positive energies coming through and only coming through for a positive purpose. So you do. So you're you are saying there are negative entities then? Um, I've never had a negative. Oh, negative entity ease. Well, uh, some sort of a a, someone who might influence you or give you misinformation. Yeah. uh, The wrong way. Yes. How how can you differentiate between uh, uh, a good message and a bad message? I don't know, because I've never really had a bad message. But I know what I do to protect myself from um, negative um, entities coming through. There's a scripture that I use every day. Um, uh, 
uh, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the sandals of peace. And I think that pretty well covers the whole system so that negative energies can't come through. So that you say that is a a daily mantra, almost something you mm-hmm. you, you guard yourself with. Does, does that um, where's the phrase from? You, um, from you, well, in the Bible, and I it's yeah. in the New Testament. I don't know. I don't remember which book it's in. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember myself because I've read it, but I can't I can't place it uh, exactly. But it seems to work for you clearly. Yes, since you've never had a negative. Um, Influence now. When you think of these communications that you're receiving, do you what do you what do you think about ghosts? What do you think of um, spirits that just sort of get stuck on the earthly plane? I think that my father was stuck on the earthly plane until um, one day last August. Uh, I realized what was going on with another series of events, and I gave him permission to move on. So I think that when they're on the earthly plane, I think that. They, they feel like something was not complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel that they know that they've hurt someone and they want to make amends. I think that when they're on the earthly plane, they want to make sure that their loved ones are safe and protected. They want to make sure that everything is okay. And at the point that one Thursday evening, when I, I realized another set of things were going on, um, I told him that I was okay and he could move on. About 10 and minutes was, later, I got, huh? I'm sorry. And that was a form of, I mean, that was probably for him as good as being forgiven by God to, to, yes. to hear your forgiveness. Oh, I also uh, told him Made I it possible him. for him to forgive himself. Yeah, I also told him that I forgave him for all, all his, uh, his trespasses. You know, the old, the old Catholic idea that you could pray for pray people out of uh, purgatory or uh, that you could have a mass said and the priest would help pray a person out of purgatory. In a way, there's a, a, a notion of truth in that. You know, there's a, there is definitely so. more, more than a particle of truth that we can help those people who are stuck here. Yeah, I think, I think they do get stuck. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, my father, my father passed in 75, so what would that be last year in 2018? That would have been 25 plus 18, 43 years. Yeah, that's if that's the case, then he remains stuck. Yeah. When you think of people who have had a near-death experience and gone right into the light, you think, wow, we can really get ourselves hung up for quite a period of time if, if we're yes. not... Uh, you know, if, if if we allow that to happen to ourselves. Well, how now you've gotten it's not that you've just healed. You have healed in spades because you're writing books about hope and you're speaking uh, words of hope and encouragement to people and uh-huh. um, telling telling stories of um, you mentioned uh, in the note uh, about Maya Angelou and Henry Ford and Oprah Winfrey that uh, uh-huh. have an, uh, uh, illustrate the life events of people. Um, who have found hope in the midst of, of uh, trials? So, how, how did you how did you come to that point of optimism and, and encouragement? Many years of therapy and also um, a scripture reading, um, and being able to take my story and uh, share it with others so that 
they can find some hope in their situation. Um, because there's there's a lot out there. You know, there's, there's so many people who are hurting and, and can't don't see a way out. Um, and I want to, I want to, oh, okay, I can feel the passion coming in right now. <laughs> I, want, I want to say loud and clear, there is a way out. There's a, you know, the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and that's what, and I, I have a three-pronged thing with that, um, finding your own personal strength and, and living in accordance with your strength so that you kind of build a spiritual muscle, um, doing daily spiritual reading, and doing the things that you love to do. And so if I could get that message across in churches and uh, 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 various places like that, healing, healing outside would just be exuberant. Well, it sounds like you've been working on it. Now, yeah. um, what's, what is your um, idea of, let me, let me put it this way, because I often think in terms of near-death experience, do you see God as love, essentially? And, Absolutely. Uh, does, do you see us as part of that love, or at least we have the potential to be part of that love? Love, I think we are a part of love, and I think when it doesn't evidence is because so many people don't realize that we're a part of that love. Right. Because we're all connected. Right. And uh, so when you're talking to people, are you pointing out those the, the, the love connection that can exist if we let it? Yes. So it sounds like you're doing very important work. Um, ha, ha, tell people how they could uh, find your book, books or um, get in touch with you if they wanted to talk to you. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, they're on, they're on Amazon. Both both books are on Amazon, and um, I'm sitting at my computer right now. So, you know, if anybody just checks Amazon, they can be purchased. They can be ordered through bookstores. Uh huh. Um, I'm trying to turn all my journey through mental illness and passages of hope, and they can both be ordered through um, um, through bookstores. Uh, and uh, they can also be ordered on my website and on my fan page. And oh, yeah. I forgot what, to put what, those in the, in the email. <laughs> yes, well, t- tell us uh, tell us how they would find your web page. Okay, go to um, uh, pardon me, um, depression to recovery dot com. Depression to recovery dot com. Mhm. Okay, and if they just. Uh, Googled your name, Barbara Altman, would, would that lead to it as well? Yes, that information will come up. Okay. And um, how about your email address? Yes, my email address, um, well, I know I don't, you have it, but Altman B, I'll spell it out, A-L-T-M-A-N-B at sbcglobal.net. Okay. And what is SBC? Um, SBC. Yes, it, does it stand for anything? Oh, uh, South, Southwestern Bell. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. And uh, and you are in Web- still in Webster Groves, Missouri, the same place you grew up? Mm-hmm. So you haven't moved very far. No. Except, except in terms of... About five minutes away from there. Except in terms of the spirit. It seems like you've come a long way that that way. 
Well, I believe so because um, the statistics, first of all, I never had any of those kinds of experience when I was a teenager. The statistics for people being hospitalized for the rest of their lives is pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I was one of the blessed ones. And I didn't do anything uh, to deserve it. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's as though, uh, um, I call it the angel on my shoulder. And we all have one of those if we would only take time enough to recognize it. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you and I uh, crossed paths at the Seattle Ions um, Conference. Correct. Uh, two, is it two years ago now already? Last and, year. Uh, um, last year, that's right. Was the year be- was right. the year before Denver? Uh, yes, I, and I, did, I didn't make that one. I, I didn't make it to Denver either, but uh, there's there's one that's coming up in Valley Forge, just outside of Philadelphia. Do you think you'll be able to get to that? Probably not. I've asked oh. my checkbook. <laughs> right now, the checkbook is saying no. <laughs> well, I. Being being Maine, in Maine, it's just a stone's throw for me, so I'm going to be there. Uh, listen, Barbara, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for um, being on the show today and talking about after-death uh, after communications. And I just want people, the listeners, to know, to think back uh, around times that they've lost someone or they were in a crisis situation and something odd happened to, to help them, that they should... Try to track down whether or not it was an, uh, an ADC was involved in the in the incident. It's uh it's so illuminating when you realize that that's exactly what has happened. That something yeah. from the other side came and uh, came when you needed them and they were there for you. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Um, and thank you to Barbara Altman for uh for uh, being on the show. If any uh, listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our past shows. Go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the Past Shows button. For information about IONS and the upcoming uh, conference um, over Labor Day weekend in uh, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, go to their website at iands.org and be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>